Welcome to Crypto Nights, where we help you finally make sense of the trending world of cryptocurrencies. So gather your virtual piggy bank and let's get started. Welcome to the next episode of Crypto Nights, where the best minds bridge the crypto divide. I am your host, Kant Miriala. And guess what? We have a co-host today, Mohit Mamoria. Here is our disclaimer. These are for educational purposes only, not as solicitation or endorsement for investment. You do so at your sole discretion, your own due diligence, please. We are not financial advisors. Tokens can be supremely risky. You could lose all of your invested money. So invest with caution. It is my pleasure today to introduce a guest speaker, Min Kim from Korea, originally studied at the Haas School of Business at the University of California, Berkeley. After that, he worked in various areas of banking and became an entrepreneur for a few years, first in the United States. And then he moved to Korea where he got heavily involved in venture capital and the blockchain. Today, we wanted to talk about his latest venture that he is a co-founder at, Icon. Icon is one of the largest blockchain networks in the world. Mohin and I were literally, our lower jaws dropped. We had never heard of something so visionary, so big. It was an interoperable chain. There were blockchains in banking, securities, insurance, hospitals, universities, and they're going to add more, all of these in Korea at very high levels. These people have created consortiums, associations, groups, people working together, top people in all of these industries working together to build their own blockchains and create ICON as the blood that circulates amongst these blockchains, making them all work in unison, not having their own independent currencies, so to speak. ICON is a vision with a proven track record. They already have a team. I believe they raised some money and you'll hear all the details in this podcast. And they already put a team together, which has already built conceptual level technology. Icon already boasts independent blockchains comprised of all of these major industries. And the funny thing that happened was they were supposed to have a pre-token sale yesterday and a token sale starting next month. But when my co-host Mohit asked him how it was going, he said it's over. Mohit says, what do you mean it's over? Yes, it's over. We raised $45 million in six hours. Pre-token sale, token sale, everything is over. <laughs> and you want to know the details, the juicy details, how it all happened and what ICON is all about. Let's move on without further ado. Here is my co-host Mohit Mamoria and our guest, Men Kim. A little bit of background about ICON is... Uh, so for me, um, I was I graduated from uh, UC Berkeley and here in the Bay Area, San Francisco. Yeah. And I worked in Bay Area for about ten plus years. I started off as an investment banker. I'm not a computer science guy. I'm a finance and business guy. Uh, You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I uh, yeah, but I, I'm I'm like very interested in technology, which is the reason I. All my clients were technology, like, you know, yeah, Yahoo, Time Warner, AOL, uh, Alibaba. These were my clients back in the days. Uh, just when I was, like, starting off my career and learning about, like, how the world actually worked, uh, how this, like, fundraising actually worked, uh, I decided to kind of venture out on my own, uh, quit banking, and became a founder of a few companies. Uh, most recently, about two years ago, I got an opportunity to move to Korea, so South Korea. I was born in South Korea, but I immigrated to the U.S. and I never really experienced uh, living in Korea. So and it was a very new experience for me to move all the way out there and help start a new company. So we raised about $100 million in equity, uh, wow. so not in, not in crypto, uh, in equity. And we built a fintech holdings company. So today we have about 25 companies doing robo-advisory, like P2P lending, payments. Uh, 
a bunch of other things. Uh, so within two years, we grew the cell very quickly, mostly through, you know, M&As and acquisitions and integration. Uh, now we have about 500 employees, uh, you know, in these like 20, 25 companies. Within these companies, we do two things in blockchain. Uh, how I really got into blockchain was we had this one asset. Back in the day, it was a you know, cryptocurrency exchange. It's called Coin One. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a four-person team, very small. Uh, uh, they were dead last in the cryptocurrency market, market share, so very, very new. Uh, but I saw this like team grow from a four-person team to about ten-person team to today, generating about I think almost ten million dollars per month in net profit. So, what do they do? Uh, it's, a, it's one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world called Coin One. Wow! So, so we started off as a Bitcoin exchange. And then we're the first to introduce Ethereum to Koreans. We're the first to introduce Ripple, XRP to Koreans. And the whole concept of ICOs with Cosmos ICO uh, this uh, earlier this year. So we're doing some very exciting things. So about two years ago, I really started looking into like what, you know, what is blockchain like? And then like, why are people buying Bitcoin? And just like my entire world just flipped upside down when I learned about, you know, distributed ledgers, decentralization, like how we could change the world. And yeah, I mean, that's how like, I'm, how, how my interest kind of got started. And I went to my, uh, you know, our board, board of advisors and told them, Hey, I don't know. I don't know anything about blockchain yet. I don't know much about it, but this is going to be big. Like, there's Hyperledger out there. There's R3 out there. We need to do something where we need to invest in this technology. So I gathered about $200,000 from internally. And then we got about a, about $300,000 uh, invested from three universities in South Korea. We set up a joint venture called The Loop. And The Loop, initially, we just had no idea what we we're going to do except start looking into the blockchain technology. So which year uh, was it? That was end of 2015. Oh. Uh, so end of 2015 is when we started uh, incubating uh, the company called The Loop. Uh, and we started building the team and the fully uh, actual company, The Loop was registered on April or was it May 2016? Yeah. So that's when we, we started off as a just a blockchain research group. Uh, and then we decided, hey, like we should get into this enterprise blockchain space because it's going to be very interesting. So a bunch of guys, we started building our own blockchain technology uh, and started inviting some of the largest you know, institutions like universities, uh, securities firms, banks. So we used to charge them like $1,000 just to teach them about what blockchain, the benefits of it. So, so we, we like back then, it was like, it's so funny if you think about it. We used to like do create a, a eight week, was it like four, it's a four week course on blockchain once a week. We charge like these big companies a thousand dollars per person to come and they will learn about blockchain. We will create like diplomas and give it to them. Uh, <laughs> but that's but that's how we kind of got started, and we uh, it didn't. It was just like out of pure luck that we got uh, the attention of a securities firm. So this this one uh, securities uh, company, I forget which one, uh, came up to us and he asked. He told us, "Hey, we gotta gather up a bunch of securities companies, and we gotta work on a project." Uh, a blockchain project. So that's how a securities blockchain consortium actually started. Uh, so we, we started leading blockchain consortium uh, in Korea. And then like, of course, when we announced that our joint venture with the universities uh, kind of came together and they said, hey, we got to, why, why, why are you creating a consortium with those guys? You, we got to create a university consortium. So, 
yeah we so nothing, we started nothing like competition <laughs> <laughs> so yeah exactly so it's like a little little bit of fomo right <laughs> uh so yeah i mean we so we started like creating projects with universities then just everything kind of fell in together where we started a, another project with uh and then that's when I think, uh, yeah, that's when the Korean government started giving a more government funds if they apply for uh, blockchain projects. So mm-hmm. Kyobo Life, which is one of the largest insurance companies in Korea, came, came knocking on our doors and asking us, let's start a blockchain project because we could get government funding. So we started another like blockchain consortium with one of the largest insurance companies. And then lastly, we also did with hospitals so like we have these like independent blockchains kind of you know with each different project managers and we were just providing the basic enterprise blockchain infrastructure started thinking about different projects and then now we're starting to think about okay uh wouldn't it make sense to uh, create an interchain or interoperability between these enterprise blockchain uh, to create a one big network. And that's kind of the, how the idea kind of came to be of icon. So if you ask me like, okay, what's like the, how the icon start? It's just like a, it's just a random, a kind of a natural evolution, different pivoting. Um, we just wanted to survive, um, just continue what we wanted to do is continue the research and developing our own blockchain. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like you think about like, okay, how are we going to make money off of this? So, you know, I put in the beginning, like we put in 200K and like we put into like the university is putting like 300K. And once we started running out of that money, we decided, okay, there's this open source project that we could apply for to the government. So we made our entire, you know, uh, project open source so we're one of the very few open source projects in South Korea and then once like we started getting that funding we just decided okay how are we gonna continue supporting ourselves because there's no money in this um, we were starting to think about the uh, what is it the Linux Foundation and we were thinking about getting membership fees from these consortiums that we were leading but then, you know, this whole kind of ICOs and, you know, people were starting to talk about how ICOs can be a better model to funding open source projects in the future. And I think we're that kind of that model that we're, we want to be for open source projects now. Interesting. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a fantastic story. Mohit, go ahead. You had a question. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, maybe, I'm just confused and I'm not yeah. too smart, but, but is, is the entity which was the loop um, and, and the loop chain, are these two different entities or these are, or the, or the loop chain is the project of the loop? Yes. So loop chain is the blockchain technology. It's the mm-hmm. loop chain is, uh, you could look at it and GitHub is an open source blockchain technology mm-hmm. uh, that the loop, the loop is an entity, it's a for-profit entity that uh, is has been creating the loop loop chain, yeah. Got it, got it. So this ICX token will be used on the loop chain, is it? Uh, yes. So that's the plan, and we have some ideas on how we want to utilize ICX tokens, mm-hmm. uh, but it's gonna take a little bit of time uh, to, you know, honestly. Uh, one of our goal is to, you know, allow ICX to be to be the protocol between different independent blockchains but like for me I think that we have like kind of we still need to talk about a couple of things it's like we, we need to do three things with ICX mm-hmm. first is we need to create some speculative trading uh, so yeah I mean you need to create liquidity and we're all about liquidity right um, so we have a decentralized exchange uh, mm-hmm. ourselves but we also need to start connecting to other decentralized exchanges and also other centralized exchanges. So we need to create as much liquidity for ICX as possible to create that uh, trading volume, right? So every transaction that happens of ICX, it will generate more transaction fees and you know, so on and so forth. 
The second part is we want to create uh, applications. Uh, so it's just like simple site applications like wallets or we're thinking of other applications such as like, I don't know, we're thinking like Ticket Monster for uh, you know, being able to buy concert tickets. So those type of real use cases that can merge between the real world and the crypto world. So being able to use ICX in the real world um, directly without any consortiums. Uh, so that's the second one that's going to be much easier that we could execute where ICX could be used in the real world. The third one is the interchain. So we create applications, uh, you know, these independent projects that are happening with hospitals and insurances. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me like, why can't these two blockchains like connect together? I mean, they can. Uh, so if they wanted, they could connect together, but we want to create uh, ICX that could be, you know, pegged to the dollar or pegged to the Korean ones, the fiat currency that could be mm -hmm. used across these independent blockchains. So we have some various different ideas. If you ask me today, like how exactly is ICX going to be used? It's something that we need to figure out in the near future. Yeah. Got it. So it's, so ICX, uh, can I think of ICX as a settlement token between multiple blockchains? Yes. So this is, you know, we call it just smart contract protocol. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be used for various purposes. Um, you know, that whatever these hospital consortium, however, if they want the ICX to be used certain way, then yes, mm -hmm. we can provide the ICX to be used so that they could derive other values from it. Got it. And, and when you say these hospitals are running these blockchains, so these are the private blockchains that these hospitals are running and you will be providing the link between these multiple blockchains? Uh, yes. So right now the hospital, for example, the hospital blockchain we're doing, you could think of it as a test phase. So mm -hmm. there's, there's only six hospitals involved right now. Um, and then once we figure out, okay, what kind of different blockchain use that we want to create. So it could be, it could include the ICX or it might not. Uh, okay. So, it, so the, it might be, you know, you could create three different projects, but mm -hmm. two of them might not have ICX involved and one might. So it's, it's all different based on how we uh, do these type of projects. And uh, of course, uh, the cool thing is that a lot of the decision makers of these independent blockchains are, have vested interest in the ICON network. So they themselves have you know, invested in the ICON wow. network. So they, wow. they, very smart. So okay. they believe in the long-term vision. So that's where kind of the whole uh, idea of, you know, uh, you, you could actually invest in the open source project comes, comes to be, right? That's the power of this uh, tokenized model. That you, you, know, you have key decision makers invested in this network, or we give them ICX to be invested in the network, and they will work harder. We, you know, everyone's in the same boat. So we will work harder <laughs> to try to make ICX used in the real world, yeah. So yes. is, uh, this might, I'm just asking because I'm trying to understand. Do you see, because you are saying there are insurance companies, so there's finance, there's hospitals and medical. So there are different consortia or groups mm -hmm. and, uh, and then there is R&D. So there is an university. So there seem to be a lot of different entities Mm -hmm. because of your unique background and your move back to Korea, you had a chance to interact with all of these, yeah. not to mention your investment banking background. You, I have not <laughs> seen this very unusual blend of country and industries and, uh, and domain. So yeah. you were in some sense, the perfect person to do this, I guess. But what I'm thinking is, be, are you seeing ICX as some kind of a common currency across all these uh, blockchains in different domains? I'm trying to get a handle. I understand that you don't exactly know what ICX will be when it grows up, but yeah. I'm trying to have at least an idea of what you're hoping it will become. Yeah. So the very first thing we are thinking, or one of the one of the first things we're thinking about right now is the most recent announcement with one of the largest banks in Korea was Uri Bank. Um, and Can you spell that, please? Uh, can you spell that? 
W O O R I. Ori Bank, okay. Ori Bank. Uh, that in Korean that means our bank. Uh, so Ori oh. Bank was actually a state-owned bank, uh, very connected to the Central Bank of Korea, the Bank of Korea, uh, in the past. So they have a history there. Uh, so these guys wanted to uh, create a cryptocurrency or a digital currency that's pegged to the fiat currency, so the Korean one. And they wanted to use ICX as a derivative uh, that could support that uh, peg. So for every one Korean one, we will have one uh, ICX for that. So we would, you know, issue one ICX to the bank. And, you know, just because the Worry Bank is a national bank, they have thousands of branches in Korea uh, for every customer that could come in and they could want a crypto or, you know, Korean one pegged uh, digital currency, you could see how uh, you could free up, uh, you know, the Korean one to be used uh, in Korea in the real world. And with this money, you could technically potentially even if it's, if it's accepted by the uh, securities blockchain, then you could use this peg uh, to go through our network to buy stocks or, you know, other, other goods. Uh, if you could buy, pay for hospital bills. Um, so these are kind of the ideas that we're playing with right now. So, you know, becoming um, kind of the entry point uh, by pegging the, uh, uh, you know, not the ICX itself is pegged, but the, we get some of the ICX to peg to the Korean one, the fiat money, just to kind of get things rolling. The other part is, uh, what is it? So, you know, the, so it's kind of like the Korean tether. Um, like when I talk to the, uh, what, who is it? The blockchain capital guys, uh, like Spencer, Bogart, and you know, Bart Stevens, these guys, are well aware, aware of the whole uh, tether history, and you know even these guys say, you know that's kind of how tether should have started, because with the banks getting involved in creating a fiat peg uh, digital currency, uh, so I think we are on the right path and the right mindset, um, you know, as long as we could convince more and more companies to accept uh, this new type of, uh, I guess, cryptocurrency that is pegged to the Korean one. Okay, so it started by the domain internally by you guys building open source blockchains for each of those verticals. Mm -hmm. And then you realized that, hey, we need blood circulation amongst these and for mm -hmm. people to preserve their sanity, they cannot, they cannot have multiple cryptocurrencies they have to deal with. I mm -hmm. go into the bank, I have to deal with one, then I go to the hospital, I deal with another. It's going to drive them crazy. Right currently already having in their pocket the Korean won. So mm -hmm. why don't we give them an opportunity, just go through the biggest nationalized bank mm -hmm. and integrate your ICX with that. Mm -hmm. So there is a connection between the won and the ICX. Yeah. And not just technically and business-wise, but also marketing-wise, just to spread the information and awareness to people at the ground level through thousands of outlets. Uh, you train the bankers, so to speak, and they can train the people and you can literally reach out to millions of people who quickly understand, oh, if I want to get these services in mm -hmm. this new ecosystem, yeah. uh, I need a, a funny looking one and it is called ICX. Uh -huh. and I can actually get that from you. It's like converting a Korean dollar a won into a US dollar. It's like yeah. a currency exchange in the country to get into this uh, new land called blockchain. Yeah. So am I understanding the strategy? Yeah, so that's part of our strategy. That's something that we want to try to, I don't know how much the adoption that we can get, but uh, at least when we uh, created, when, when we announced the contract relationship, so we, we signed a contract with Uri Bank and announced it, that's kind of the idea or the vision that we shared uh, in the very beginning. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but that's one of many, many things the, that we wanted, uh, different projects that we want to have ICX for. We already have 
like for example, uh, so one of our parent company is called Yellow Mobile, and uh, and they have about hundred different applications or hundred different uh, companies under that company. Uh, for example, they also have shopping, like online shopping. So being able to use ICX directly for online shopping could be a possibility now because we have that relationship already set. So um, that's what we're going to do in the, in the near term is to narrow down three different projects. The first one is we're going to have project managers who will go out there and start making relationships with exchanges and decentralized exchanges. Uh, that's one. We're going to have some project managers that deal with like uh, wallets and start creating direct applications on top of uh, ICX, so direct usage for ICX. Um, and then third, you know, we will continue doing what we've been doing, which is these independent, leading independent consortiums and try to create ICX usage, uh, in, you know, for these independent consortium. So kind of that one big, uh, uh-huh. yeah, we'll have, I imagine we'll have about 15 different projects happening at once now. Well, uh, I mean, can you connect any blockchain mm-hmm. with this thing or are there any blockchain specific requirements that must be satisfied by a blockchain to uh, use ICX? Uh, can Bitcoin, Ether, EOS, Banker, can all of these uh, mm-hmm. use this uh, your thing or do you need some, you, do you need some specific, specific kind of a blockchain? So we, so the first thing that we're doing is that we're connecting our, what we call Nexus, our, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so our idea is not too different from like Polkadot or Cosmos or, you know, the other interchain networks. So we have mm-hmm. a hub as well. And our hub will also be connected. You know, the very first chain that we're going to be connecting to is the Ethereum uh, network. So you could easily transfer ICX with Ether uh, automatically through the decentralized exchange. And you're mm-hmm. right. We are, we hopefully we can start connecting these to other networks like, like Kyber is another company that we're talking to. Maybe we could use the zero X protocol for, you know, connecting those, you know, we could connect to EOS so that, you know, we could start creating value transfers more easily with other networks basically. Um, so at least that's what our CTO is planning to do on the technical side of things. You got it. It's almost like an exchange. I'm trying to understand this whole ICX to Ether or Kyber or 0x or EOS. <clears throat> is it almost working like an instant conversion? Is yeah. that what it is? They call it atomic swaps these days. Uh, at least that's the terminology that I'm used to. Atomic swap, is it? Atomic swaps. Okay. Yeah. Just being allowed to... Um, so there's kind of two things. Like we, you know, we've been criticized a lot for... Uh, trying to apply the Bancor mo- uh, formula. So Bancor uh, formula is sort of an algorithmic market maker between two different uh, currencies, right? Uh, some of the other companies, uh, like I think Hyber, they actually have real market makers, so human market makers. Uh, so, the, it, you know, you see from what I hear, you have, so I'm not a technical guy, but what I see heard is like, you know, if you have just algorithmic market maker, then it just becomes too predictable. So mm-hmm. like human traders could potentially take advantage of that kind of the trading. Uh, and then if you have market makers, then it might not be as efficient as algorithmic uh, market makers. So uh, I think you need both uh, in some way to kind of balance each other out. So the more decentralized exchanges, more centralized exchanges that we can connect, uh, trying to have them trade ICX, the more stability and liquidity that you could create in the market. Uh, and um, then how does the roadmap look like? Looks like uh, will you be starting to work on this thing tomorrow itself, or does it so, look like? Good question. Uh, so we have our, uh, the great thing about us is that we already have loop chain mm-hmm. built. Uh, so we actually have a commercially launched loop chain 
that's being used in Korea today. Uh, mm-hmm. so a production version of it. What does it do? So it, it has a blockchain ID product. So 25 securities firm, is, they're using our blockchain to do verification, KYC, and all that. So if you do KYC once for one of these securities firms, then you could do automatic KYC. So it's kind of like Civic or the real world. Okay. 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 Um, how useful is that, you ask me? It's actually, honestly, it's more of a, you know, let's try to get together and finish one project, you know. I think there's some use to it uh, because if, you're, if you are signed up for one securities brokerage and you're, you want to switch to another brokerage, the cost of switching is, I guess, lower. So it's easier to switch around. But, you know, honestly, like how many people actually have two brokerage accounts, right, to, to trade stock? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think there's that much meaning to it. The real meaning is getting 25 companies together to agreeing to finish a project. That's, like, very meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also it's the beginning of something else, right? Yeah. So in U.S., so there is something called an accredited investors. Every time I get into an opportunity, I have to do my KYC, AL, AML all over again. Mm-hmm. And if something like Loopchain was built, not just across securities, I'm now setting, letting my imagination run, yeah. let's say across investment opportunities, right? Okay. Maybe hedge funds or private real right. estate deals. So it's almost like I have done it once, but I can use it across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which it's, it's like, it's like a passport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I think that's what, uh, we're, we're thinking about. So let's say we have a blotch, you know, imagine a wallet, mm-hmm. you have a KYC wallet where you've already done KYC with these, uh, securities firms, then you've mm-hmm. already passed. You have that key with you. So any, uh, you know, anywhere you, anywhere you go that requires like very high KYC standards, you could, you know, use that blockchain ID to get verified that you've already passed through that kind of KYC process. The other part is like, let's say I'm, I have a brokerage account, but I'm also a student. So I have all these university blockchain that verifies that I'm a student of that university. So I have two, two KYC or two verification keys, one for student and one for, you know, you know, one for uh, securities or KYC. So, you know, imagine like then you could carry this wallet around and you could get discounts for movies and, you know, you know, mm-hmm. like student IDs like usually offer, right? Uh, so that you verify that you're a student. So you don't need to carry around your student ID card to get all the privileges that you get as a student. Um, yeah, so, 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 yeah. so it, can more, it can morph into something like a universal verified ID. I think so. I mean, that's the idea that we're thinking about. So we'll see how that kind of idea develops in the future. So instead of my my wallet having 15 different IDs, one for library, one for this, one for KYC, I'll have one ID with multiple maybe dots on it. You know, the red one means I have KYC and the green one means I can get into the university library. Something like... Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Okay, I'm just trying to understand the idea. Oh, sorry, Mohit. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, civic kind of ID identity uh, yeah. uh, for, for, for the Korean citizens. Now, civic, interestingly, only stores two things in the identity, which is your name and the email address. Mm-hmm. I want to know what are the kind of information that one person can store uh, in, 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 on, on the loop chain. When creating an when creating an identity, is there a number of is there a limited number of fields that you guys ask, or as a user, I can store mm-hmm. as many information as uh, as I want, all my cards, all my credentials, everything on Loopchain, and then I can uh, mm-hmm. authorize certain services to use, say, uh, information A, B, C, and then the other services to use maybe information B, C, and F. Yeah. So, and, and and also, can I revoke my access once I have mm-hmm. uh, given my permission? Uh, to use it, but now I want to cancel the, my account, or now, now, or, or maybe I want to just revoke my access uh, from this particular services. So, can I do that on Loop Chain? So, very, very good question. Um, like today, right now, this everything that I'm talking about is, you know, hopefully what we will become. But mm-hmm. today, uh, the security or your identity, once you go through the KYC process, uh, 
your identity is still owned by the uh, the securities firms. So the securities oh. firms have your ID, and they secure it in a fixed, you know, localized servers. Uh, mm -hmm. the, so you have these. So that's just how the world works today, um, because that's how the regulators want it. They wanted your ID, all your private information, to be stored by mm -hmm. private entities, and they don't want this to go out. So every time you know you want to use these IDs outside of these these securities firms, then I'm you know you probably need verification by these blockchain that is run by the enterprises. Uh, in the future. I'm a believer that everything will move slowly towards public blockchain. Um, mm -hmm. But in today's world, it's just the enterprises or the regulators won't accept that. And you just have to play along with the rules that are existing today. Uh, but as you kind of go along, as our systems and our blockchains prove that, you know, you should, you know, like we could have public blockchains or at least a country blockchain, right? Um, you know, who knows? <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that kind of goes. But, you know, I think Civic has like a pretty interesting idea where in the beginning they're more, I think Civic will evolve. I'm not sure how Vinny or those guys will improve it. I think they're going to start making it so there will be like different types of KYC processes within Civic. So right now you said there's only, it's, it's like very simple verification, right? It's, a, it's sort, of a, sort of meaningless. But it might be more meaningful in the future where you have driver's license or other identities that you could actually put in there. For our blockchain IDs, actually not like civics, where you know you as a user don't have control where you could upload your information. We might make it like that in the future. Mm -hmm. We might have a you know ID product that uh, you could upload your IDs and you know your passports and your, create your identification that gets verified. And you could get a KYC from these universities or these securities firms, but right now it doesn't work like that. It's just you have it or not. Like you don't you don't upload anything. You you go through the KYC process, and your your your, your information is already stored in there. Got it. And and do you get a number or a private key that you can give to the next service that you want to use so that they can verify automatically? How so? If if I get my KYC done, what do I get in return? Uh, any private key, any number, any sort of identification uh today no you don't get anything so okay. i think the next step i mean you're you're right and i think the next step is to create that uh wallet where mm -hmm. private you know that key could be uh, given to you you could carry it around and you could give that key to other blockchains or other consortiums to get verified by so you, you're giving one i guess one entity permission to access your identification that is held by the you know other entity like universities uh for example yeah i see i see so i, I see. think that's how it needs to be worked in the beginning in my mind at least yeah yeah if you both are okay can i switch the discussion now a little bit towards mm -hmm. your token sale and uh sure I think we all understand already why you thought about the token sale but uh -huh. I had questions around how did you design the token to create value what what are people buying when they buy your token mm -hmm. and talk about the pre-token sale that you already had successfully congratulations yeah. Yeah. and then uh, what is coming next what should people be looking out for mm -hmm. and why so I, I don't know if you're okay with that Mohit yeah yeah I'm totally fine with it yeah. yeah. So the that's the question that we've you know always kind of get, and that's a very good question. Like, I mean, does it have any you know proof of staking shares? Do you have any revenue share? Do you you know these are the type of questions that we get. But you know, we we model ICX so that um, you have what you call like a what is it? There is some uh, delegated POS ability. So. Mm -hmm. If you, for certain members, uh, we call it C reps. If you represent a community, so, you know, let's say you have, you're running, uh, you're part of the hospital community, then you're the leader of that hospital community, then you're a C rep. So you could, uh, you actually get incentivized to, 
uh, use ICX in your community more and more. And the more active you are, the more tr trading volume that you could create within that hospital, uh, then the more reward you get and the more kind of voting power you can get. So it, it does have some uh, usage and uh, voting or, you know, I guess power in that respect. But the main ICX uh, usage is going to be for uh, inter-blockchain communication protocol. So you have this ICX, you could transfer it for to any blockchain that could that accepts these these access to be transferred so for example if you have this access it could be easily transferred to a fiat currency through the bank if you have this access you could easily transfer it to you know i don't know like american express points uh you could buy movie tickets you could buy tickets that are only accepted with icx so they're very, very like, you know, we're, we're trying to create a new type of medium, a new type of uh, currency that is, could be used in the real world. And uh, I mean, that's kind of like our vision for ICX, at least in the short term. You have heard of basic attention token PET, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, and it is, uh, it is a token on Ethereum blockchain. So is it possible that in, I can still use the BAT network using ICS token instead of the bad token so is it something that you are trying to uh, point it out where any decentralized app built on an ethereum blockchain mm -hmm. you can access it using icx token instead of that app specific token yeah that's so i, I think i i think i understand what you're saying uh, <laughs> so yes i mean the we want you know icx to be basically you know you have this token you you, you know it's a ubit it's ubiquitous you could create smart contracts on top of it uh, so you you have different applications that's run by these ICX. You could uh, do different things with it. So we don't control like how the ICX is used by different blockchains, but you you can transfer it. You could use it, uh, you know, in different blockchains that we are we're running. So it's more of like all in one currency. Understood. And now that you have raised one hundred fifty thousand ethers, how do you plan to spend them? Uh, Mm -hmm. or how, how 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 does the composition of your expenditures look like yeah just for so, the sake of the people out there that still understand fiat currencies uh, what does that translate to in us dollars <laughs> i mean so, ball, ballpark it changes yeah. every day i know yeah but, yeah yeah so right now i think ether last time i checked was like around 285 290 dollars so like almost 45 million in terms of uh you know US dollar wise and, and you raise that in six hours in a pre-sale. <laughs> so we raised half of that in uh, six hours in pre-sale because we had the other half committed by some strategic contributors. We call it strategic contributors. So companies that we believe will add strategic values for ICX in the long term. Um, so these guys are uh, very well connected and we have some very very like amazing people that are that are helping us out uh some people that i can't even name uh you know just tell everyone because these are kind of the movers and shakers and the influencers of like kind of korean uh, economy and not only korea but other parts of the world so like, we're very lucky to have some like some very very uh cool people uh who kind of share our vision for the korea uh you know, our, our kind of immediate goal is to hyperconnect Korea. So we, we want to be laser focused on, okay, Korea is a big enough market that we want to tackle. We believe that there's going, only going to be a one or two uh, dominant blockchain network in Korea, um, just like kind of the telecom industry. Before, you know, I like to say before, 10 years ago, there used to be multiple, you know, you know telecom service company or cell phone service companies. But today, uh, you know, the bigger networks buy up smaller networks. And today there's only two, which is SK Telecom and Korea Telecom. And that's kind of like how everything moves in this world about with networks is power of the blockchain is actually in the network. Uh, a lot of people, I think, focus too much on technology. Uh, so that's the part where I come in. I've, you know, I've seen so many companies just like kind of go down because they, you know, not because they're better with technology, but because they don't have as many customers. So for me, it's my job to, you know, think about 
okay, how do we grow this network? How do we make our network more powerful? And I think that strategy has made it, you know, made us kind of the dominant player in Korea right now because you know, we already have securities firms, we already have hospitals, we already have universities, we already have banks. Then, you know, it's natural for other industries to join bigger networks. Um, so that's kind of like my, my focus. I think the power of the blockchain is, you know, having more and more participants in that network. So we're trying to grow out our network today. Yeah. Who, who have a unique value. So, I mean, it does not, I think blockchain does not change the fact that a business is there to solve people's mm-hmm. problems in yeah. a unique way, which was not. So technology definitely is an enabler because blockchain allows us to do certain things we could not do before. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is, hey, we cannot solve in a silo or for a small community. If we are able to solve a problem across a large network, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the way you did that very strategically is not only over time connect with securities, universities, banks, hospitals, uh, many of these extremely, you know, basic utilities for human beings mm-hmm. and provided them some convenience, some interoperability, some uniqueness, maybe some exclusive yeah. uh, discounts or something like that. You, I, I, we should probably even add entertainment as one more thing that you yeah. mentioned about tickets. So, so there seems to be a benefit for me as a consumer. So mm-hmm. there is value for these enterprises because you're easing their operations, operational headaches in many ways and security headaches in many ways. And for me, the user, you're making my life easy because I'm getting some huge benefits Mm -hmm. uh, across the board. So you're saying that you have focused on building a real business by solving problems and creating uh, the facts effect. The larger the network is, the value grows as, as N squared. Right. So I think, am I understanding? Yes, exactly. I think, you know, technology will follow eventually. And um, I think there are enough smart people out there who are studying, you know, blockchain or developing blockchain. We're one of them. I'm not saying we are technologies inferior to what's out there, but overall, every blockchain company, we're faced with same challenges with with scalability, with implementations, you know, these are, you know, we all have the same problems. You know, the blockchain network is extremely slow and inefficient today. And we need to kind of build that out and make it more, uh, I guess, you know, we need to put a lot more time into developing this technology part of it. But I think that will, that piece will continue to grow and come as just like kind of the like again, the cellular network or te- telecom networks, you know, we used to use edge technology, but now you have 3G technology, it got moved to LTE technology. So you just like, you know, the technology will follow, but the network that you create is where the real business is at. And for us, our job is to try to create that protocol level of connecting all the different industry, all the different participants together and make it easier for you know, application creators. So you have these decentralized applications to reach. So if they want to create an application for the masses, you could simply create it for our network and any of these companies could easily decide to use those applications for their blockchain. So, you know, we're, you know, that's kind of the power, I think, of blockchain is that you have that big protocol, you know, you call it fat protocol, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's that protocol level and that's what you should be investing is like you know having making the fat protocol even fatter by by putting more and more participants into this yeah absolutely absolutely uh can't if you don't mind uh can jump back to the token sale because uh i I wanted to do the same thing Uh, (laughs) as fascinating as this is i really want to jump back to the token sale yeah yeah Yeah, so uh men uh i'll give you the context of the question that I'm about to ask. So Mm -hmm. there had been several successful ICOs uh, in in last three, four months. Mm -hmm. And if you still, so I I won't name those ICOs, but if you still check the address on which they received the ethers, Mm -hmm. you would find that those ethers are still sitting on that address and uh, are appreciating in the values when you convert them to US dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the team hasn't really withdrawn that 
money that they have raised and started working on it and yeah. it has been already two months uh, uh, since their ICO is over. So sometimes I don't feel very comfortable about, uh, uh, about such situations where uh, they have raised money but they have not started working anything for two months on the protocol itself. I am yeah. very interested in knowing how the founders of the teams uh, like would would like to spend their proceeds or would like to uh, plan out their expenditures uh, whatever they have raised i i, I mean it, it makes uh, definite sense that you keep some part still in ether so that it appreciates in value over a period of time so that you get mm -hmm. more runway uh, after, yeah. after a few years but i don't think it makes sense at all if to keep all of your money still in the ether and not do anything so uh, i'm not saying you would do that but i'm more more interested in knowing uh, how do you plan to uh, spend the money that you have raised i you have raised a huge uh, amount of money so I'm, and, and and you can definitely uh, uh, run your company for several years with yeah. this money so i i have no intention that's that's a very good question uh, i just had this conversation with a uh, one of the crypto investors and he said one of the most disturbing things he heard was like, it's okay. We've raised enough money for less than 20 years. He's like, you know, I don't want any, like, what are you going to do with like 20 years? Like, why would you model out your current, you know, money to be spent over 20 years? Like that just means that you have no plans for, you yes. know, for the next five years. Right. So <laughs> You know, that's, that's very interesting because I think all the money that we raise is like we, we should spend at least all of that for the next, next five years, invest that into the network um, mm -hmm. you know, with set measurable KPIs and, you know, to create enough transactional value for us to, you know, create a, a, an actual business out of this network that we're, we're doing, right? So a huge part of that is actually going to be set in reserves. So we do, we have set about 15%, 16% of the total ethers that we raise is going to be used for just for functioning the decentralized exchange between our, uh, our token and ether. Right. Got it. So that's kind of a big part of it. Uh, but the rest of the ethers that we raise is going to be used for strategic partnerships. It's going to be used for these, um, independent projects. So we have right now literally 10 projects lined up that we can't get to because we just don't have the, enough funding to hire project managers and more engineers to create, you know, decentralized applications on top of our, you know, our, our uh, loop chain or our blockchain. So, you know, a lot of that funding will actually go into hiring these project managers to really push uh, ICX usage in the network itself. So as I mentioned, a lot of that funding is going to go, go towards hiring people. Uh, so we're going to hire project managers and more engineers. And right now we're doing five independent projects. We're going to increase that projects to about 15 to 20, I imagine, maybe even more, uh, depending on how many quality projects that we could support. And I don't, you know, I'm more of a kind of a, I spread, spread out my bets. I don't think all of these projects are going to be successful, just like every startups are not successful, mm -hmm. but I want the, my goal is to have one or two of two or three of these to be like extremely successful uh, in bringing, bridging the real you know, use case of ICX in the real world. Interesting. And uh, I see, I see uh, you already have more than hundred people working full time on this project. Yes. Yes. And you uh, still, find uh, these guys short falling short oh. of what, what, what could be done in the yeah, future. So, so it's actually uh, not hundred people full time on this project. So that's a, uh, uh, we have, we have hundred people actually committed to this project, but mm -hmm. uh, about 30 people have been committed or uh, 30 people are full time on the icon okay. or blockchain okay. projects. Okay. The, uh, the other 70 or 70 plus 80 plus uh, these are, people who are focused with like chatbots, AI. So there are, you know, UX, UI, uh, you know, data visualization. So we have these other companies that are contributing to ICON uh, and they have been building, helping us out a lot these days. But, you know, the kind of the world that we kind of look at is that we're, we have, you probably hear a lot about 
AI and blockchain merging in the future. These are kind of the things that you, you start hearing about. So we're in that kind of unique position where we have this one asset. It's called DaVinci. DaVinci is, uh, you know, it competes head to head with IBM Watson in South Korea. Not a lot of people know about this, oh. but we have a artificial intelligence solutions that's used by large institutions today, like AXA Insurance, you know, Shinhan Bank. These are large banks that are paying us hundreds of thousands of dollars for our AI solution. Our, so we interesting part is uh, not a lot of people actually know about DaVinci outside of Korea, but that is about to change. We are we were selected as a one of the key partners for Carnegie Mellon Hackathon, which will happen end of this month. Uh, so you see, if you go to Carnegie Mellon University Emirates Group, uh, the airlines Emirates Group Hackathon, you'll see DaVinci. Uh, on there and DaVinci is an AI solutions partner to the hackathon. So this all means that we have you know, a lot of people talk about blockchain, a lot of people talk about AI, uh, how they're going to merge together. I think we're one of the very few companies out there that have real technologies for both of these and we could actually do a lot of interesting things, uh, interesting projects on how we can merge you know, AI and blockchain together in the future. Oh, very interesting. Where can, I, uh, where can I find more about this DaVinci? Is it DaVinciLabs.ai or? Yeah, that's part of it. So DaVinci is a brand like IBM Watson. We have DaVinci. And within DaVinci, we have mm -hmm. four different applications. We have DaVinci Labs. We have DaVinci Chatbot, DaVinci Big Data, and DaVinci Analyst. So these are four products within the DaVinci family of products. And... Uh, oh. We, yeah, we do, and our clients are like the large institutions that could pay us you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for, to use our AI solution. So it's like, it's being real, really used in the real world today. So, oh, yeah. interesting. DaVinci is outside of the loop, right? Yeah, it's outside the loop, but uh, it's, uh, it's owned by the loop and DaVinci is owned by Daily Intelligence. It's one big mm -hmm. company. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. We're all kind of family and sister com sister company, I would say. Yeah. So you 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 had the two hundred thousand plus the three hundred thousand, half a million, and I'm guessing that's what helped you hire these thirty full timers. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining, and and you also probably used a part of that money to do this current ICO, and now you have enough money mm -hmm. to uh, to bring in the seventy to eighty other people that are already committed quickly on board. Mm -hmm. and start working on those uh, domains and spreading your bets because you're hoping that one of these will be a black swan that will make the whole thing, one or two of them. Yeah. Uh, seems to be the strategy. And, uh, yeah. and you're also doing technology bets because you're seeing the AI and blockchain merging. So you're not only doing strategically from a business and country and uh, industry perspective, but also looking at it technologically. Mm -hmm. And it so happens that DaVinci is a key you know, competition to IBM Watson happens to be in Korea and your sister company. So you're also taking advantage of yeah. that. So, yeah. so IBM has uh, quite frankly, man, the strategy has been amazing as I'm listening to you. It's been very well thought out in different dimensions. Yeah. Uh, actually it hasn't been, it's not well thought out. It's by accident. It's sort okay. of, yeah. Evolving, uh, evolving. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's evolving. We're pivoting all every single day. We're making decisions, and it sort of came to be like this. And I think that's the best way to run run companies. Like you should be flexible enough to move in directions that you you see fit for your organization. So you know, we don't have a you know, we do have some sense of direction of what we want to do, what we want to build. But on the business side, we tend to be very flexible in like moving in different directions. So we could, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, so the pre-sale is now done and about half of 45 million is being raised through investors and then there are the strategic companies. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the strategic companies are already identified and they have already bought into it. So you have already raised 45 million, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, now what happens? What's next in your token sale? So the token sale is over, uh, so there won't be any more fundraise. 
we believe 150k ether, which is around 40, 45 mil, is plenty of money, uh, enough for us to do a lot of exciting things. Uh, I don't, this, I, you know, I mean, kudos to other guys who raise 200 million, 150 million. I don't know, like, like ridiculous amount of money. I don't, I don't know what they're doing, but you know, they, if that's, if that's what they need and if they could convince their investors to invest that much, that's great for us. Uh, I'll only raise what we need and maybe a little bit more of that, which is, I think 40, 45 mil is more than enough for us to operate at least in the short term. Okay, then I have a different question because a lot of people listening to this uh, podcast would be thinking, I mean, I'm now putting on the investor hat as an individual mm-hmm. investor and saying, hey, yeah, what do you mean token sale is over? But how do I make money on this? So <laughs> the next question will be obviously, yeah. uh, you know, you're probably going to be trading on some exchanges. Do, do yes. you have any idea when that will happen, etc.? Do you have a timeline on yeah. the names of some exchanges? Or will there be some announcement yeah. on a website they can track? So, so um, one good thing is some of our investors are actually, uh, you know, ex- they own exchanges. So they're they're the CEO of some of the exchanges. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're lucky to have them on board. Uh, the global exchanges or the coding specific exchanges? Uh, we do have kind of both. Uh, we do have wow. some from outside of Korea and some inside Korea. And plus we, we, uh, you know, I think the exchange, we have relationships with different exchanges, but I don't, you know, I just want us, we haven't really formalized any agreements and I usually don't like to talk about, you know, that we are going to do things until we get a, you know, we get a contract in place, but mm-hmm. yes, we are. You know, kind of the short answer is yes, we are thinking about expanding to as many exchanges as possible. The actual great part, great thing about us is that we'll have a decentralized exchange. So once the main net goes live, once our wallet is ready, which we're targeting for end of November, which is only a couple of months, um, you know, you will be able to uh, use our decentralized exchange to do uh, liquidate or sell your ICX. But, you know, I think everyone I'm trying to make convince all our strategic investors and everyone into convince them to become a long invest long-term investor we have some very very exciting uh announcements for like i think for the next year we have a few announcements that will come in the next few months but we in the next year we have some very very exciting plans that we'll be we'll be announcing in, in the middle of it and these will all sort of tie in with our vision and ICX, how we want to move things forward. Um, so, you know, I will want to convince everyone to not to sell short, uh, be patient and, you know, think long-term because, you know, I think ICX, we, we, we believe there's going to be, a, you know, some great value and very interesting projects that you'll see from it. Yeah, it's, it, that's a double-edged sword because you do want a lot of people to buy ICX at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you want the utilitarian value of this, the circulation yeah. to, and the number of users to increase. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 but I, I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. My, my question is, as a listener of this podcast, they want to, they're excited about what you're doing. And it's not just uh, some Korean companies that believe in Korea. Trust me, a lot of people outside believe in Korea and what you're doing, mm-hmm. I'm sure. So my question is, how do they stay connected with your exciting updates? Mm-hmm. When you're, when uh, is the liquidity happening for ICX? When can they mm-hmm. buy into it? So if somebody wants to keep in touch with these updates, do you have a website? Do you have a newsletter? How do they yeah. stay connected with you? Yes. Uh, so we do have a website. It's icon.foundation. Uh, that's HTTP, you know, icon.foundation. Right. And we also have a Medium blog. We have a Telegram room. We uh, we have Twitter, so we do have social, uh, you know, social media. Honestly, we haven't been very good with <laughs> social media uh, outside of Korea because our team is like largely uh, very Korean focused. Mohit and I can help you there. <laughs> <laughs> but but what is your Twitter yeah. handle? 
Uh, Twitter handle is hello icon world. Hello I C O N world W O R L D. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, we. You know how when the internet uh, or the whole blogging just kind of started, uh, it used to be hello world. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the, with the whole blockchain world, we wanted to say is hello icon world. We we're trying to create a new world. Uh, you know, based on our vision. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that. So, literally go on for hours with you, Ben. I'm because uh, it's been an absolutely fascinating thing. But uh, I, I guess we, we should reserve that few for future podcasts mm-hmm. with you. Mohit, do you have any more important questions that you wanted to ask on this call? No, no, I don't have any more questions. In fact, if the pre-stock pre-sale would have been open, I would have invested <laughs> through our <HMM. laughs> Which is what I wanted to say is. Hey, this is not fair, you know. <laughs> that we were early to the game. One of the first few people to interview you about your token sale, and you come on to this and say it's over. <laughs> yeah, but that's sorry. good news. Let's not let's not dilute the good news from from uh, many angles. That's great news, and uh, congratulations to your team, the hard work, the vision. It looks like for 24 months you've been running nonstop, and mm-hmm. uh, I admire the vision and the honesty and the transparency and how you've been so humble to just say, hey, things evolved. It was not a design. You're being very transparent and honest. And we certainly wish you the very best. Uh, I know that the, I, I, many people think that a successful token sale is the end. Uh, I tell them, hey, it's not the beginning. Uh, it's not the end. It's <laughs> just the end of the beginning. So <laughs> yeah. I wish you the best. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All the best, man. And congratulations. Thank right. you. Keep, yeah. Keep in touch. And uh, I would love to come back and talk to you about our progress. And uh, just let me know. Shoot me an email. Thanks for listening to the Crypto Nights. Never miss an episode. Subscribe now at www.cryptonights.io.